0: how many of you have ever needed rescue like you've got yourself into a position or a place that you could get not get yourself out of you recognized you're stuck you had a picture of where you were going but after all your best intentions best efforts you recognize that actually you can't get where you want to go by yourself that that you needed rescue Today, I'm carrying on the, the challenge continues, the red letter theme we've been going on about Jesus and his words, and I'm talking about resting. And today, I need to confess to you that I've needed rescue in regards to the topic and theme of rest. I am a recovering anti rester <laughs> I am a recovering adrenaline junkie. I am recovering from living in a state of what seemed to be perpetual drivenness and striving. I'm recovering from living a life, trying to make my life happen. So I was a somebody that the outward world would look at me and see that I am valuable and loved. I am a recovering sinner saved by grace. I share, I, I'm going to share some of my story today. I'm going to be looking at the words of Jesus. But today, as I begin with that confession, I confess and acknowledge to you that I am not sharing this message of rest because I have it figured out. I am sharing it because I need this message about resting as much as you do. I still need the Holy Spirit to teach me, and I need this community of believers, this body of Christ known as the Rock Church, to help me learn and grow. My wife and family have been patient with me. My staff and the elders are patient with me. As someone who is recovering and learning how to rest, they help hold me to account and help bring and be a mirror in regards to, are you really living restful right now? Is that really a resting type of position? Or are you striving? Are you following in, Are you following, falling into old patterns? If you are looking for a church where the church has it all together and in particular the pastor has it all together I believe there is one I heard of it and I can direct you to it but this is not where you sit today Lee and I helped plant the Rock Church before we were married in the mid 90s I became the lead pastor we became the lead pastors in 2010. And looking back, I wasn't in a healthy condition when I when I took this over and we began to to lead. In 2011, it became very clear what kind of shape Leah and I were in as we basically burnt out, or as my friend said, we were crispy. <laughs> we were crispy to the point of fragile and uh, I wish, I could remember the word Adam has used that where things just kind of fall apart in your fingers. You know that uh, parchment paper, when it comes out of the oven and it's all crispy and you just touch it and it flakes all over. Uh, you you want to know how I know that because I cook sometimes. <laughs> and this is an illustration going sideways quickly. So we will get back but what is burnt out mean it means emotionally and physically and mentally and spiritually and relationally everything was so fragile I managed to take everything personally I was on the edge of tears often I was very often viewing everybody as an object and an it as an obstacle rather than having any degree or ability to see them as love and process and discipleship I viewed it as getting uh, that whole entitled type of piece of, what about me? How about, how come people can't see it from my point of view? And and forget putting myself in somebody else's shoes, why doesn't somebody put themselves in my shoes for once? And living with that kind of edge. That burnout, which I never used to call burnout in trying not to paint some picture that it wasn't, but to say anything less really would be to minimize it and to minimize the pain my wife went through in trying to live with somebody in that kind of state. While we were saved and confident that heaven would be our home, it felt like we were on the verge of losing our lives, our marriage, our family, and this ministry that he had called us to. In the summer of 2011, in, in uh, August of 2011, I believe it was, Leah reached out to the Focus on the Family Pastoral Care Department and had an over an hour-long conversation with one of the counselors on the phone, to which I'm grateful to Focus on the Family for their part in our lives. She, uh, she talked with them, and they said, you need to get him to one of our pastoral care retreats. He is sinking, he is going down, he is going under, and he needs help. And so I agreed to it. The board agreed to send us to that and we went and I went away with great hope that finally getting away for seven days with some counseling and help, I would be fixed and it would all be made better in seven days. How many of you would love a seven day pill? How many would you love a seven day pill that took 15 or 20 years to get to that point? And if it could just be a race like that, that would make everybody better and happy. That's not been my journey. But over the past decade, by the grace of God, we have been healed. That seven days, we went to that retreat, and all that happened was not getting fixed, but rather get diagnosed, diagnosed to the extent that when we were sitting on the couch in one of our private sessions with the counselors, they said, you are, not, you are, emotion, you are spiritually mature and emotionally immature. And I said, thank you very much. I think I'll go for a walk. You apparently don't know who I am and what I'm in charge of and responsible for. Came to the end of that week and uh, one of the things that happens when you are getting burnt out is that you're trading faith for cynicism. And I was growing in my ability to carry the gift of being a cynic, which is no gift at all. It is not a fruit of the spirit. And in my cynicism, when they came to us and said you and Leah need a sabbatical, I said, I thought to myself, you just say that to all pastors, all you want to do is get them on retreat. And if they go on sabbatical, somehow you get a kickback and make some money off it. And they said, no, we only say that to about 10 or 15% of the pastors. And that actually stuck really hard in my heart that they would think we're in such dire straits that they're giving us the extreme prescription. And so on the way home, we began to talk. It's when we were introduced to Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, and we began to read that book. And I began to consider a sabbatical as a crisis need and intervention in our life to try to get back on track because I had gotten off track so far and not able to rest in Jesus, which we're talking about today. But I came back and I had only just met Boyd Hopkins, who's a friend of this church and preaches occasionally, and only had met and talked with him maybe once or twice. And his name came to mind as if I went on a sabbatical, we would need to release this church to somebody to care for it and to preach. I think we could have volunteers take care of the outreach ministries, but what's gonna happen to the church? And so I set up an appointment with them. We met at Tim Horton's at Idlewild and 33rd and sat down. And before I got into my stuff, I asked him how he was doing and he proceeded to say everything that was going on in his life how the ministry was expanding and growing and everything that they would need to do. And I bit my tongue and I never said a thing asking him to step into sabbatical with me or for me because of all that was going on. I got in the car, drove down, and as I passed polytechnique, I basically said out loud to God, I said, if this conversation is ever supposed to happen and Boyd is supposed to be a part of a sabbatical, he needs to talk to me because I am not talking to him. And so that fall, God dropped a few different key leaders into our life that began to pour into us and encourage us along the way and say that we needed that we could do it and that's when we got connected with Lifelinks. that's when Dave Wells told me you can lead with a limp you can do it you don't have to have it all together you don't have to be perfect and I thought to myself yeah lead with a limp but I feel like I'm in a wheelchair and so we made it through the fall by God's grace we finished the Sunday before Christmas the big Christmas outreach day catching my breath, installing a new photocopier in the o- in the office in the week after when I get a phone call from Boyd who wants to drop by the office. I said, sure, come on by. He comes in. We chit chat, at which point he says, I believe God spoke to me today that if you were to take a sabbatical, I'm supposed to take your church in the pulpit. And my jaw dropped. And I told him the story about what I had told God that he would need to talk to me, at which point his jaw dropped and we celebrated together. That was God's rescue moment in my life in regards to beginning to realign the ship in regards to resting. Now, the problem with me sharing that story with you is you th- you might think, how's God going to rescue me in order to rest? And I actually, while that's a miracle story and exhibits some of God's hand in our life, the reality is I share it with you today out of my shame because... Part of the reason I got to that point in needing rescue is because of my unbelief and hardness of my heart that I was not operating and living in the truth of the gospel. I was living in the fact that the ministry I was doing somehow was becoming about me and were the numbers increasing for the next week and how were we doing, were we growing, were we something significant as a church and I was tying up my worth in what I was doing rather than finding my worth and value and love in Jesus Christ himself. And so I needed, while there was all sorts of contributing factors to my burnout, I stand here acknowledging that the biggest reason is me. That because of how I believed and how I interpreted things and how I took things and what I chose to receive rather than reject as words over my life was part of my own belief that I needed to get the outward people happy. Because if I was not, if you were not okay with me, then that meant I wasn't okay. That my value, my worth, my love, my appreciation came based on how your view of me was. Yeah. Well, how many of you know you can never appreciate, you could, you might be able to please everybody sometime, but you can never please everybody all the time? That's not even close to my story, but it's, it's kind of true. That you can never live on if you've got the 100% approval of everybody around you. You need to find your worth and your value and your love and security in Jesus Christ. And so that's, what needed to happen, because if you don't have that, you can't find rest. You can have all the logistical pieces put together in the world, but if your heart isn't aligned with who you are and your identity in Jesus Christ, your heart will be stirring and restless, chasing after the things that you need that can only come from God, but if you're not looking to Jesus, you have to find them in the world, the vacation, the car, the success, the posture, the stature, all that kind of stuff. In Isaiah 30, verse 15 and 16 is the verse that talks about in repentance and rest in your salvation, but you would have none of it. You would not have it. That was getting to be my story. That's what drove me to burnout is that my pride and ego were getting in the way of being able to humbly surrender to Jesus and allow my life to be changed. Rest is so desired, but seems so elusive. So what is the truth about rest? What does Jesus say about it? What are we to believe about it? It's place in our lives. And so we're gonna look at some of Jesus's words and his invitation and challenge to us in the word and his promise to us in regards to the rest and trust that Holy Spirit can bring in our hearts in order to experience the reality of rest in our lives. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace And I thank you for your grace in your life to Lee and I that the story from over a decade ago has a different ending than what we feared it would end with. And so God, I've got to experience some of this, but I need this message because I keep stumbling and falling forward, falling backwards and not getting it right. And so out of this broken place of just trying to learn more. I pray you would help me to convey your heart towards these people, lead us into your rest as a good shepherd and give us soft hearts, convict us of where our beliefs do not line up with your truth so that we can step into the life that you have actually done everything needed to provide for us in Jesus name, amen. The key verse for today it was on that video comes from Matthew 11 verse 28 to 30 Jesus said come to me all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light it's a great promise but for so many Christians, it seems so ethereal or just outside the grasp. Or for a certain type of Christian that can actually experience that promise of Jesus. And today we want to look at bringing that into the lives of us messy, broken people and what, it, what that looks like. In the past number of years, the message paraphrase of that scripture has become very popular. And it says this. Are you tired? Worn out? that's the direction we want to go today and we're going to end with that verse and pull out a couple things but we're gonna to, gonna to do a little loop before we get there that that the truth of that scripture I've known that in my life I think I memorized it when I was a child but that the truth of that scripture was apparently known in my head but it was not lived out of my heart because the way I was believing and living totally affect my ability to rest I was striving driven insecure my pride and ego would get in the way I couldn't trust God if I didn't show up and fix that situation or deal be the one to talk to that child or that parent then it wasn't going to work and you see I could be sitting on my couch with my feet not moving but my heart and mind at a hundred miles an hour stirring and not at rest in your notes on on the first page it's the statement, true rest is not situational, but relational. You cannot align the situations of your life good enough, well enough, balanced enough to actually achieve rest. I'm not opposed to balance, I'm not, a, I'm not against learning strategy, I'm not against doing life well and, and figuring all that out and what it takes. It's a different formula for each of us to some degree but you cannot get rest from finding balance or just removing enough stress so that you can actually find rest the situations will never align good enough to get you to the place of rest we need a relationship with Jesus he's where true rest comes from if we can have our mind set on Christ he will keep us in perfect peace the scripture says keep your mind set on him and so what Do we need to know about rest first there is a promise there is an opportunity for rest there is a promise of rest in Exodus chapter 20 lists out the Ten Commandments and the commandment around the Sabbath day is from verses 8 to 10 saying remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy you have six days each week for your ordinary work but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Now, if you're looking on in regards to... sabbath day message and what to do in those 24 hours in order to achieve rest that's a message for another day and to talk about sabbath and what's legalism in it and what's not but the idea of stopping and resting is huge in the 10 commandments this this particular command just gets so much space in in comparison to everything else What I want to point out to you is that when we think about rest or you think of that in the term of Sabbath and some people want to say, well, the Sabbath is legal and I don't have to rest on that day. I want to point out in verse 11 that it says, for in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth and the sea. But on the seventh day, he rested. The concept of rest within a term of seven days was instituted before the law was ever put in place. And it was put in place and instituted by the one who, although he rested, did not need it. You see, the God whom you know and I know and whom we claim to serve is omniscient. He knows everything, omnipresent, he's everywhere, and he's omnipotent, as in he's all-powerful. So the God who created and however that worked in that six days, it took nothing from him it diminished not one iota of who God was. Lee and I had the privilege of just getting back from Florida, hence the tan, in case you can't see it online, welcome here. (laughs) What a perfect time to talk about resting is right when you're an expert of it coming off a vacation because a few months in, it all falls apart too often in my life. But um, the idea of... The Florida part wasn't in my notes, and now I lost my train of thought, just like that. The idea of of, uh, me coming back from vacation last weekend, coming back, feeling pretty rested and pretty good, took about three days in that evening really recognizing and thinking about planning the next vacation to Florida because I was feeling pretty tired after three days. Three days of heavy effort diminished me, my energy, my capacity. But when God goes to work, he's 100% God all the time. You can't strip anything apart from it. When he invests in something, he's still all who he is. And so this idea of resting was instituted by the one who didn't need rest in order to enjoy the creation that he had created and in order to set a plan and a model for us that we would actually need rest. And the the interesting thing is that God did did the work and then he rested on the seventh day, but he created man on the sixth day so that their first full day on earth was a day of rest. We don't live our lives Working and trying to throw in some rest. Work, slave, um, strive, try to throw in some rest just to keep it going, to keep the work cycle going. As children of the Almighty God, your portion and your inheritance as his son and daughter is that you work from a place of rest. The work flows out of your position and your place and your rest with God the Father, the Son, with the Holy Spirit. Matthew 12:8. Jesus threw all the legal stuff on his head when he came and fulfilled it all. He didn't cancel it. He fulfilled it perfectly. And it says that the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. So God came, did this perfect creation. After he created it perfectly and mankind was created and they were engaging and stepping into living in this perfect world, what happened? Unbelief and hardness of heart wrecked their rest sin entered the world when they disobeyed God and the perfect garden was now where they even had work of naming the animals as just part of life and joy now work became toil and sweat and pain now rest would have to find a new way unbelief and disobedience broke the opportunity for that first and perfect rest with God and then God worked through time and history and the law was established and he called the Israelites, saved them and drew them into Egypt and then pulled them out of Egypt with the promise of the promised land, split the Red Sea, they're all coming out. And what happens is unbelief and disobedience and hardness of heart kept them from receiving the rest of the promised land. Unbelief, hardness of heart, Disobedience keeps us time and time again from enjoying the rest of God. But then God provided means for a final rest. It's a rest that's available to you and me because He sent Jesus to fulfill the law by becoming the perfect sacrifice by being the lamb of God the sacrificial system that was in play for all the Israelites for all that time now came to an end because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice which meant that now all the working that had been needed to get into relationship with God would be ceased because he was the final work he was the final sacrifice Hebrews chapter 4 it's not in your, it's not on the screen, but I encourage you to go home and and read the first 13 and 14 verses over and over again. I'm just gonna pick up a few starting at verse six. It's this amazing uh, dialogue and and, uh, contribution in regards to rest for those who believe in Jesus. So God's rest is there for people to enter, but those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. That's what we described garden Israelites. So God sent another time for entering his rest, and that time is today, as in the present, literally the present. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them rest, do you remember Joshua led the Israelites into the promised land? God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors. And he's talking about like those labors of going after God, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fail. We will fall, pardon me. We need to step into belief in that he is our all in all. He is our life. He is our salvation. He is the place where we find security and validity. Because if we believe anything else in that, we go about like the Israelites did, trying to make their own life, trying to make their own place. That's why they would go after idols, go after other spouses, go after All the different things that were positioned in front of them because they were trying to make life happen for themselves but we needed a Savior and Jesus is our Savior he is our rest so there is a promise and the promise of rest is not situational it's relational and that relationship is in the promise of Jesus our hope number two there is a struggle There is a struggle. Self and society play into our flesh. You see, a three-month sabbatical didn't save us because we could just get back on the same track with the same temptations. I can be sipping pina coladas, non-alcoholic, by a pool, at a resort. (laughs) You can sip on that one for a minute if you want. I can be having all the outward attainments of what people would think perfect rest is in that relaxing state, and I can be stirred up in my mind and heart wondering if I put the new green compost bin on the street for pickup, and anything more important than that. You can be at worry, you can be anxious, and you can be stirred up just about anything. Proverbs 29 verse 18 says without a vision the people perish or without understanding they'll perish or where there is no revelation the people cast off restraint. If my vision for resting and finding rest is not in Jesus alone the restraints are cast off and I begin chasing this that and the other thing to find any type of settledness any type of satisfaction any type of rest and I begin to do stupid things, and I should have been aware of this. I should have known I would be tempted about resting on the Sunday that I'm resting, and I got sucked into a Netflix binge this week. Stupid Netflix. <laughs> they even have the counter on there, three or four seconds till the next one stop. I can't even find the remote control before the next one's coming to turn it off, and it's, oh, that is, I wonder what will happen in this episode. <laughs> God forbid I turn it off five seconds in and hit rewind the next time I want to watch. And I start chasing stuff that even though so much of it is fine in moderation or for a time, I actually think that if I binge watch that for a time, I'm going to come out rested. And then I'm confused why I'm tired and irritable and don't feel like I had a break after I've had a day or two off and have to go back to work. And it's the boss's fault when I haven't done the part that I need to do in order to get resting in Jesus. And I wonder how many times we make our spouse or our boss God and ask them to determine our state of restfulness rather than going after it ourselves. That's a freebie, the first first service didn't get that statement. We didn't have a paradigm of healthy rest. We had a a paradigm that would say chase or get a day off. But the idea of just being dealing with your heart issues so that you find your place in Jesus and being settled with him wasn't all there. So there's that struggle and then there's there's the spiritual struggle that that actually God promises this rest, but the enemy wants to come at us and he wants to steal, kill and destroy. John Mark Comer, Comer, pardon me, in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I sped read that this past week. <laughs> hey? That one was for you, Brad. He makes this statement Corey Tin Boom once said that if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. If the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. There's truth in that. Both sin and busyness have the exact same effect. They cut off your connection to God, to other people, and even to your own soul. Folks, resting is a spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual battleground. And when you fight to find your place in Jesus Christ and you live a life of rest, you are doing damage to the work and the kingdom of Satan here on earth because the children of God are living according to the promise and their inheritance rather than to the lies of the society and the world around them. And you live a different picture, and you bring a different presence, the presence of God into the darkness around you. You want to make a difference in the world and in the kingdom of God? Here's a challenge you don't ever hear. Stop and rest. Because it's spiritual, it's active spiritual warfare. You aren't taking a break from the kingdom. You are actively engaging in the kingdom when you learn how to rest. And we have to learn to do it. I'm learning to do it. i got to preach this in front of my family and in front of my staff who know how many times I fall and wane in this kind of stuff and have to keep learning how to move it forward. And then number three, there is a hope. Lee and I, our journey has been 10 years to whatever point you want to consider us at now. I I can just tell you that we were better knowing us now than 12 years ago. definitely not perfect but it has taken practice resting is not a perfection sport it's a practicing sport and the enemy wants to steal kill and destroy when you get on a tear or you get into a busy season and there will still be busy seasons that come and he wants to steal the glory from it rather than let you rest in Jesus So we need to know that there is hope that Jesus will disciple us, help us, and lead us through. We need to come to understand where true rest comes from, relationship with Jesus, not situations getting balanced. Because if we don't recognize this, we're at risk. What are we at risk of? We're at risk of three very D words that are dangerous to a Christian. Disillusioned. If you don't understand that there is a promise of rest for you, even in this world, not just for eternity, you could actually think that rest is based on your lifestyle or how well you've mastered your life or balanced it. You, bec- you could become dis- and you want to give up. You could be disillusioned to think that rest comes for lucky people or people who have easier circumstances than you and that it just comes to some people, but not you. You could think that rather than the gospel of being rest in Jesus, that it depends on outward situations rather than the relation. That's the first D. The second D that is a risk for us is we could get deceived. We could actually think that this should be easy rather than hard, that there is no flesh struggle, that there is no spiritual struggle, and that we settle for being busy and the good feelings that come from adrenaline rushes or getting resentment or being the person that says, if I don't do it, nobody's going to do it. Anybody else said that in here besides me? Yeah. Yeah. Besides me and Leah? (laughs) guess we got some confessing to (laughs) do. We can get resentful, we can get twisted and get deceived and we can get complacent like who cares if we get deceived and then finally we could get discouraged if we don't actually believe that Jesus is able to transform us through the power of Holy Spirit, then there's no way forward or I'll never get there. I'll never be able to experience any rest. So what do we need to do? Not rest harder, not rest better, but folks, we need to enjoy Jesus more. We need to enjoy him more so that we want to be with him and we find our place and our fulfillment and our security in him. One of the most unspiritual but well-pronounced statements of Dallas in 2022 or 2023 was I wanted to, take an in- I wanted to have a more intimate relationship with my wife. So I took interest in what she was interested in and I started puzzling with her. You all remember that statement? Yeah. yeah. Everybody wanted me to go puzzle with their spouse all of a sudden. Yeah. So then take their place. <laughs> I mean, the states on vacation and I'm going down the same kind of road of God, I'm working for you. I'm starting to contemplate these kind of thoughts. Father, I, I love you. I want my life to be a fragrance and a blessing to you and to do well. But I get jealous of my wife and how she talks about having such an intimate relationship. And I hear other people in the church. And, and I know that sometimes I still boil it down to, am I doing my stuff and getting it right? And are you pleased with me? And I want a more, I want a more intimate relationship with you. So I'm doing this and my life out of love for you without this outward stuff that I struggle with. And so I'm reading, and I read a blog, and you know what the blog tells me? It says to get more intimate with God, take an interest in what God is interested in. And I said, does God want a puzzle or what? but it it totally changed my, uh, adjusted some of my thoughts that rather than just doing for God again and just receiving my marching orders for the day is what is he interested in? Why is he asking me that? What might he be asking me to? And that conversational, relational, intimate piece rather than just the uh, top-down kind of picture piece that I can too often get stuck in. Matthew chapter 11, wrapping this up. In those verses again Jesus isn't it interesting that Jesus's description of rest and his invitation to come to me is totally immersed in the picture and the symbol of an oxen working his picture of rest is given in a work metaphor yoke and burden the yoke is easy the burden is light and we're supposed to think about that as resting How do you live with that? Well, the part about resting is to recognize that we are not doing our life following Jesus, hoping that the rest of this real life falls away or the responsibilities fall away or there's not something to handle with that. That rest isn't the absence of life. We are to rest within the context of life, so there must be something about our perspective. Yes, I want to grow in the character of God so that when the yoke is on me and the burden is on me, that I'm a big ox, and I can handle a big burden, but it goes easily because I have the strength of character of Jesus Christ. Rather than thinking that the world is too much for me and I want to shrink back and God, give me less, give me less. I don't want to step into it. No, I want to grow. All these guys in this, in this church or associated with this church that go, with, go to the gym and get big muscles, they want to see how much they can hit the next time. They want to step it up the next time. They want to find the resistance. What's can happen so that the stuff that was before just doesn't just goes like that. It's no big deal. I want to be stronger in Jesus rather than less in Jesus so that I can handle less in this world. Because as far as I can tell from all of your lives and everybody in the world around me, the world doesn't really offer less. It's not really offering less brokenness on the table right now. It's not really offering less need for people to be light and salt in the world. It's actually asking for believers and people who love Jesus to step up and take on more weight in the world that it feels easy for them because the ability to love is growing and coming on strong within them. So what do we do? Maybe not as simple as ABC, but that's how I would have it laid out for you today. First of all, we need to acknowledge You need to acknowledge that the life you are currently living if you don't feel like you have rest is not the only choice you have. If your pride and ego get in the way of living what is a non-anxious type of life and you can't be a non-anxious presence the way we can talk about that in Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, if we're not loving well, we have to acknowledge that we don't have it all together and we have to follow Jesus' invitation to let him teach us we need to learn from him. It leads acknowledgement, leads to confession of where we're at. B is believe. I just gave you the picture of the oxen and the yoke and the burden. We actually have to believe that our God who we serve is not a slave taskmaster, but he knows how to handle his children well and actually give them well-fitted yokes and the proper burden for where they are at in life. Do you believe that God's um, tone towards you is good, not as a slave master? This leads to repentance. If we don't believe God is for us and God is good, if we don't believe that what he has for us can be done in this world and that he's taking unfair advantage of us, we can repent and turn from that mindset and choose to believe what he has for us. Ask him to transform our mind if we're stuck in those patterns and see we can choose. I love that passage from the message, the, the phrase that the, passage, the message uses, pardon me, keep company with me. How many times have I missed inviting him into the start of my day or in my rest or in my play? Don't try harder, enjoy God more. How will you live? Will you live as a victim of your circumstances and buy into the, fact, the thought that nothing can ever change? Or will you live as a victor knowing that Jesus paid it all? You are loved and you are valuable and you are secure in him. And whatever he has for you gives you the grace to rest in him. And that means stopping sometimes, letting the world go on um, without you. If you can imagine your life with you being in the hospital for one day and life carrying on, You can also imagine taking a 24 hour period in the course of your week to stop and enjoy. Yes, there's busy times. And yes, we stumble and fall in that. But if we don't stop and let the world carry on without us, we actually think the world depends on us. If we don't actually rest, we actually will run out of resources because we are designed to recharge. If we don't delight and find things that we enjoy in this world in times that aren't our responsibility, what makes us think we're going to want to be in heaven for eternity? If we can't enjoy 24 hours now do you have to take a Sabbath or take a day off, or take a day of 24 hours to enjoy God and to stop and to rest absolutely not not just because this isn't a legalistic church you just don't have to but you can join me on this size where it's get to and I still fail to miserably too many times but who wouldn't want a snow day or a summer day or a beach day or a resort day one day a week that your God the Father has actually commissioned you to take and to enjoy the life that he's blessed you with with a degree of health and mental faculty and relationships and everything else. And then finally, we get a 24 in that 24 hours. We get more time to be with him and worship him and love him. You are ridiculously in control of your life. Will you be a victim or a victor? Mark chapter six, verses 30 to 32. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. We read that pretty quick. Of course Jesus is going to take care of the guys. No, Jesus could have totally said, where have you guys been? Couldn't you have done that any faster? Now that you're back, don't you see all the people around? Grab a granola bar. Let's go. We got another hillside to minister from. Let's get at it. I've been waiting for you, my posse. Who's going to be the anointers of oil and the catchers if the spirit really moves at this meeting no he didn't in the midst of all this need and everything that was going on he said let's stop let's put it all on hold let's take care of what needs to go on and we believe from that passage that that's what's actually happened over the course of their ministry even though the next verse says they fed the 5,000. And so my story gets wrecked a little bit of my illustration right now, but we want to step into that. So as we close, I encourage you with your hands out, uh, Leah, you can come and just maybe play softly for a moment. Um, in a posture of surrender, we're just going to pause for a moment. And, uh, want to give you a moment to respond maybe there's something from the message today that has spoken to you is there an area where you've been driven you can't rest because your mindset and belief isn't right not because you got too much to do what is holy spirit saying and bringing to you in this moment Would you take that and just maybe place it symbolically in the hands in front of you as a move of surrender? And if these words resonate with your heart, you can pray them after me. Dear Jesus, you see my struggle with rest. You see these beliefs that oppose the truth of the gospel. I have chased too many things I have become exhausted hoping for rest but today I respond to your invitation to come for rest and so I surrender these at your feet and I receive your forgiveness as I confess my sin And unbelief and hardness of heart that has allowed me to be driven and and striving for things in the world around me. Forgive me, heal me, cleanse me. I look for my rest in you today. In Jesus' name.